Association. This is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. I'm glad to have you with us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, as we usually do on our uh, editions of the Lincoln Business Beat, Bud, we're going to take a deep dive in our second half. We're going to learn a lot more about roads and bridges and budgets and all of that <laughs> because Pam Dingman, Lancaster County Engineer, which I do want to point out is an elected position, yes, is going to be joining us. Well, and you know, you give me a, a bunch of grief, I'll call it, uh, and I'll use air quotes when I say grief about how my eyes light up when I talk about budgets. When Engineer Dingman's in here, you're going to see her light up talking about roads and bridges. So we appreciate Pam taking some time to come in today when we get to that deep dive and talk about it's going to be road construction season out in the county. It's not so. going to be. It already <laughs> is. <laughs> and boy, uh, there's a lot of it to be done. I want to talk about some things that have happened uh, in the last uh, few days. Uh, the Lincoln First Responders Foundation had an event, and I think you were there. Yeah, I was uh, I was excited to have the opportunity to play in their golf tournament earlier this week um, and, and support the First Responders Foundation. They, um, it's it's a, an affiliate of a national group, and it's really focused. Their mission of the First Responders Foundation in Lincoln Chapter is to serve and honor our first responders, veterans, and their families, and build an appreciation and respect for their work and enhance public safety. And so we've talked a lot about public safety. I felt it was a good opportunity to kind of give back and, and help with what they're up to. And it's a good group of people. And I believe a, a gentleman that we both know uh, was kind of the coordinator or headed this uh, event up. Yeah, uh, Max Hubka, uh, police officer, uh, captain in the police department, Lincoln Police Department, uh, has been really, really active in getting the First Responders Foundation up and going. Um, they've been going here in Lincoln for about a year, maybe plus or minus, and it was an opportunity to raise some money to help address some issues with officers, mental health issues, and other things like that. And the the cool thing about it, too, is um, all the money that they raise here locally stays here in our community. Um, it was just a great day. They had a ton of golfers out there. I think they had 36 or 38 teams out there, uh, had a really good time, had a, had a lot of ways that you could, uh, give money back in the golf tournament and they had an auction at the end and it was really a great day. So I wanted to give Max and, uh, all the folks that put this together a, a big shout out for supporting our public safety because we've talked about how important they are on the show. And if you'd like to find out more information about that group, it's First Responders Lincoln dash n e as in nebraska dot o r g that's first responders lincoln dash n e dot o r g yeah and they've got a they've got a local board uh local business folks that are on their board uh ryan tile from kidwell megan conway with channel eight charlie cologne from chick-fil-a uh, Jim Hansen out at Sand Hills, Doug Peterson, our former attorney general, uh, Mike Rezac with Rezac Construction, and then also Mark Whitehead with Ustop and Whitehead Oil. So uh, a great group of local folks that really are passionate about public safety and supporting our our uh, law office, our officers, our first responders and veterans here in our community. This week we got quite a bit of news from the uh, University of Nebraska 
primarily focused on the UNL operation. Uh, number one was priority candidate for to be the new chancellor, but then uh, a proposal that's going to be discussed at the next meeting and maybe acted on in June, and that has to do with the uh, hierarchical structure of athletics and the chancellor and the system president. Yeah. Um, earlier this week, uh, there was an announcement that um, two regents that serve Lincoln, Lancaster County, uh, Tim Clare and Rob Schaefer, are proposing a change in the org chart for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Athletic Department where the athletic director, Trev Alberts, would actually report to the university system president, Ted Carter, um, which is uh, a, a change in how that structure is set up, because um, right now Trev reports to the, the chancellor. chancellor of the campus. As do all the athletic directors of the other university campuses. They report to their local chancellor. Correct. Both uh, Kearney, UNO, and Lincoln, all three um, report to their campus chancellors. And so this is a deviation from what the modus operandi has been out there. Um, now, what this will do is uh, it will keep Omaha and Kearney, will keep their ADs reporting to the chancellor. It'll just move the Lincoln athletic director over into the university system. So it's kind of a, an interesting deviation. They're going to uh, bring it up as an informational item at their meeting on May 31st. And uh, then it'll come, it's a bylaw revision for the Board of Regents, and then it will go before a vote um, on June 22nd at their board meeting. Not everybody uh, is understanding it the same way. Some are uh, reading some things into it. Uh, why would this change take place right at this time as you're just bringing on, at least it looks it like, we're going to bring on a new chancellor for UNL? So Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I was reading when I was reading the coverage of this was they they want to, the regents want to have, I guess, a more direct line to what's happening in the athletic department. Um, you know, there were the a athletic department in Lincoln. In Lincoln, yes, correct. Um, I would advocate that I wouldn't mind the, UNK Athletic Department having that access to, but that's because I'm a Loper Homer. So uh, a self-admitted Loper Homer. Um, but but it's, it's, it's intriguing to me to see this change. And there was a comment in one of the articles that talked about um, they felt like President Carter was really tied in. It would be good with his background and his experience uh, to have that direct line. And, you know, we're making a change right now, and we just, I just kind of wonder, what does it mean for the future? Well, the other thing that's, that's changed uh, is the, the aura uh, that surrounds college athletics today. There's a whole lot different. You're dealing with a lot of different money sources. You've got NIL that's now a major factor. Um, this is big business, and I, I can see why... You might want to consider this change, but I'm a little concerned that it doesn't affect all campuses. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I guess you can revise the bylaws of the board at, at any time, so they might have to change it in the future. But, you know, I'll just give you a little anecdotal evidence. So um, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I worked in the Nebraska Athletic Department uh, for the Huskers, and our budget at that time was about $36 million dollars. And now I think they're about triple that or quadruple that, actually. They're about 
triple of that, about 120, $140 million budget. So um, TV contracts have obviously become very lucrative. Um, now with the NIL stuff, it's it's just an in, it's a, a a wild time. They call it the wild wild west sometimes in the, in or in college athletics, and so and it kind of ties into our June lunch. I'll give a plug for our June leave a lunch. Uh, we're going to have Matt Davison from the 1890 Initiative talk about name, image, and likeness or NIL and uh, what that means for small business and how they can get involved. So we'll have to watch and see what happens. Debt ceiling debate uh, as we uh, record this. Uh, still no solution, no agreement in Washington. Uh, what is the failure to increase the debt ceiling? What does it mean? Well, I the big thing right now is, so the the United States government has a borrowing limit, which is currently at $31.4 trillion. Again, $31.4 trillion. And this vote would be to increase that limit to borrow against their debt. And the they're kind of projecting that by June 1st is when that they're going to reach that limit. And so they need to raise that, that ceiling. And so there's a lot of discussions going on in Washington. You probably hear a lot about it on if you're watching any of the national news shows and maybe even some of the local news shows are talking about it. But, um, you know. And in, in D.C., there's always both sides have their their demands and the the Democrats want to just raise the debt ceiling, call it good. The Republicans have some different ideas on uh, what makes this decision good and some of the kind of things they want to tie to it uh, from a spending a standpoint. So we'll kind of watch and see uh, what this means. Basically, it means that the government needs to be able to have the capacity to pay their bills. So it affects so many different things. And it would not, uh, June 1st, if they can no longer borrow, that doesn't mean all payments are going to stop. It's just they're going to have to be picky with what they pay and what they don't. Correct. They're going to have to make some decisions to, and I know this is going to come as a shock to our listeners, but to live within their means. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of tax revenue coming in every month. And, yeah, and that absolutely. And can be... Can be uh, Used now. I might mention that uh, coming up in the uh, on the thirtieth, uh, Congressman Mike Flood is having a town hall, and he will be willing to. In, in our news co- coverage this week, one of the things he's uh, going to be talking about is the debt ceiling and uh, expanding the uh, the debt limit, and that is on May thirtieth, uh, five thirty to six thirty at North Star High School. Yeah, it's it's open to the public. It's a good time to interact with Congressman Flood, and hear him talk about the debt ceiling, and. And all those those other issues that are uh, facing our our nation. Well, let's uh, get somebody glassy eyed and talk about <laughs> engineer stuff. I, we should almost take a picture when you see Pam's face light up when we bring up roads and bridges. Yeah, and we're not talking about the engineer on Burlington Northern. We're, to, <laughs> we're talking about no. We are talking about the county engineer in charge of all county roads and bridges, and a whole lot more. Yes, we, we'll talk with Pam Dingman next. Do you need help? Finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. And whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure, free to use, and gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com and fill out an application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today.
Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC. Doing business is currency pursuant to CFL License 60DBO-54873. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back in the Lincoln Business Beat. We welcome in for our deep dive, Lancaster County Engineer Pam Dingman. I, Bud said I could make your eyes light up if I just said roads, bridges. <laughs> See, look at that. Yes. That's the biggest smile we have seen on the Lincoln Business Beat is in County Engineer Pam Dingman when you mention roads and bridges. I'm all about the roads and bridges, man. But, but I also know how to make her frown. Six to 12 inches of snow with a possibility <laughs> of freezing drizzle beforehand. <laughs> and 30 mile an hour winds. And and what you left out, Mark, was like that that five ten a.m. call, <laughs> which I usually waited. I tried to wait till six to get you on the phone. So just so you know, I mean, most days I'm a, I'm a four forty five or so. If if we got a road issue, I'm I'm on it. Excellent. Well, okay. So let's start off. Uh, thank you. First of all, thank you for coming on the Lincoln Business Beat. It's an honor Pam. to be here. We're excited to have you. Um, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to talk about a lot of things today, but start out and just kind of give us the 50,000-foot view of the job of the county engineer. Also, just to make sure, and Mark pointed this out earlier in our first segment, this is actually an elected position. So you chose to run for the position, campaign, work your tail off, knocking doors and all that. But talk to us just kind of about what's the scope of what does a county engineer do? Let me put it this way. Give us a tour of the county engineer verbally. So so first things first is kind of fun. Uh, even though I did not have an opponent last year, I still knocked on over 3,100 doors and talked to citizens about the position of the county engineer. Because even though I've been out there for a while now, almost 10 years, uh People still don't know what the county engineer does and how they do it or the boundaries to which uh, that job is. And so the county engineer position uh, is an elected position. I was appointed for my first year and then I immediately had to run as an incumbent. I'm currently in my third term. The responsibility is for all of the infrastructure, roads, bridges, pipes, box culverts, uh, buildings that we house our equipment in, uh, all of the infrastructure in the county right away. So that's everything outside of the incorporated cities and villages. We have 18 uh, governmental entities in Lancaster County, so it's a significant number. Um, you don't always know when you're driving from point A to point B. You might be in the state's jurisdiction, then the city of Lincoln, uh, then mine. Uh, it is a big operation. 
we have 115 positions uh, located. These uh, staff are located in 12 buildings around the county. And on you know any given day, uh, we are designing uh, roads. We are figuring out how to maintain the roads and actually maintaining them. And we are inspecting our own construction. So how many miles of road are you responsible for as the county engineer? So... 1,400 miles of road. Now, engineers like to track that in lane miles, so that means if there was one lane in each direction, they'd call that two lane miles. What is a fun fact, bud, is that the county has more lane miles of of road than the city of Lincoln. So when you say 1,400 miles of road, you're not counting the northbound and the southbound lane. You're just counting that mile of road from point A to point B. So if we did lane miles, because I have good math skills, sort of, that would be 2,800 lane miles. Is that correct? That's correct, Mr. Seinrich. Now, you might notice that if there was a turn lane, the length of that turn lane would be added in, too. So, But I was trying to speak to you not as an engineer would speak to you, but as a normal person would, like, hey, we got a mile of road. Wait, what's new? (laughs) (laughs) So basically, you almost manage the number of road miles that you could drive from Lincoln, Nebraska to pretty darn near California. That's correct. Wow. Very interesting. So it is road construction season. It It is. is, Orange cones everywhere. It's one of those, you know, in Nebraska we have fall. Well, we've got football season, winter spring and road construction season are our four seasons. So talk to us a little bit about what's happening at this time of year in the engineer's office when it comes to road construction. So we've just been rocking and rolling it out there this uh, this spring. We haven't had a lot of rain. So that means we haven't had a lot of rain days or mud days on site. We've been able to open up two of our new bridges. Uh, super exciting. Uh, a bridge, uh, W50, in the southwest quadrant of the county, the first of its kind. That's right. You finally got W50 fixed? I've, it replaced, yeah. Replaced. With an innovation grant. Wow. So you as a taxpayer didn't have to pay 100% of the cost to that. See how I made that sound like I actually know where Bridge W50 is? That's Let's awesome. just say southwestern Lancaster County. Perfect. So uh, W50 is uh, super exciting. It's the first bridge of its type uh, in Nebraska. And it is a, wait for it, that's right, a folded press brake tub girder. What? (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Mark, Mark, that that hurt. I had a glaze over my eyes like (laughs) a folded blade tuck girder (laughs) tuck deal. What? Made by Valmont Industries. So Nebraska. A Nebraska company. Totally exciting. Uh, They have pioneered a way to uh, completely robotic create 60 foot long beams. They roll in this huge sheet of steel they have this giant press brake, which folds steel, and they robotically rotate and, and create a giant girder. And they can do one of these about every 15 minutes in their facility. And uh, the bonus is, and you'd be like, Dingman, why are you talking this crazy stuff with me? Bonus is, hey, the truck comes out to the site with those, uh, those girders on it. We can set those girders in about an hour. Uh, that means that we're doing very rapid bridge construction. That's awesome. Now, um, does that? What does the price look like when you do a with a? Is it a tuck girder? Is that what you tub, call it? tub? Like tub. a bathtub? 
tub girder. I'm sending you pictures after this. Oh, I can't wait. I, I need to be excited. I'll be waiting with bated breath for those pictures. I know it. I know it. Um, so the girders um, can be a little more expensive. Um, the reality is, is, is there was no local contractor uh, who had handled the girders before. So contractors, hey, just like everyone else, if it's a job or a product they haven't used before, they're a little leery of it. So what we did with uh, this particular bridge is we went to the state of Nebraska through the County Bridge Match Program, hey, which has been extended. It's sunset this year. It's been extended um, largely by the work of Senator Bosselman. So the program's been extended. So we got money from that program. We got a grant from that program to uh, build this bridge to kind of offset the cost of the new innovation that people were a little uncomfortable with. So the tub girders can be a little more expensive. Uh, just on the surface, what we have to do in engineering is holistically take in all the components. So guess what? It's expensive for you as a as a homeowner, as someone uh, trying to get to school, as a farmer trying to get your goods to market. If you have to go around that mile of road for four or five years, or if it's a major road and we can't get it back open, are we going to build every bridge as a tub girder? Oh, heck no. But we're going to build bridges with tub girders where it makes the most sense. So how long was W50 closed? It was closed for four years. Holy cannolis. I bet you had some very happy people out in the county. Sometimes people get a little spicy with me about bridge closure. Um, the reality is, is we have a standard. We inspect the bridge. Uh, the standard is conservative. We don't want people to fall through the bridge and be injured. Totally way too much fun for an interview. Uh, the university uh, and county engineering have worked out a deal to where my condemned bridges, bridges we know aren't fixable, I give them to the university. I mean, it's it's a, like their presence, right? One man's and, trash is another man's treasure. Well, because the university, we don't get to test bridges to failure, so we don't have a lot of data on that. And the question is, okay, are we not closing the bridge soon enough and so we're endangering the public? Or... You know, could we have left that bridge open a little longer? The reality is, is I have a standard that we review uh, that causes us to close the bridge. Um, those standards are studied by universities and people who are super smart with PhDs and fellowships in engineering. Tomorrow they'll be out on Pine Lake Road, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna destroy some bridges. Oh boy! So let's go back to uh, let's talk about this a little bit. So coming up this construction season. How many miles of road are going to be under construction around the county? And how many bridge projects are you working on this uh, this summer? So the bonus is, is because construction, uh, because we're so dry this spring, we're done with road construction for the year. We have our two miles of pavement in. It's opened up Southwest 14th Street. You can get on and drive it all the way from the city of Lincoln down to Sprague. Uh, so we're not going to do a lot more road construction. Like, it's okay. a round number. It's, not, it's none. Uh, bridge construction, uh, we're looking forward to getting started on a bridge that is just outside the city of Malcolm's limits. Um, I refer to it as E38. It's between uh, the village and the ball field. It is county jurisdiction. So that bridge has been bid. We got a fairly aggressive price with it. Um, we're super stoked about getting that bridge in. And then we have the Roca Road Bridge. And the Roca Road Bridge uh, is one of three bridges built the same year. I really wanted to go in a couple of years ago uh, when the first bridge failed and replace all three of them. Uh, we were not given the funding to do that, so we replaced one. 
Uh, what the goal was this time is, hey, let's replace the other two because I'm pretty sure that the people who live in this corridor would be really angry if they had another extended bridge closure because the bridge had uh, had failed or was failing. So we uh, are looking forward to constructing the Roca Road Bridge. Uh, we've had some difficulties uh, with our permitting with that structure, and we were told that we our permit was good uh, by the Army Corps of Engineers, and now they've asked for um, some different computations on it. So we're on hold uh, while we get that final permit so we can construct that bridge. Awesome. So a couple bridges going in, road construction being done already, like that's pretty big thing. So I should say, like, I don't want to say like done, like new construction done. Uh, we'll continue to work through the summer on our maintenance programs, which is overlaying streets. How um, many miles of maintenance are you going to be doing this summer? We'll probably do around eight miles of maintenance this summer. We have really focused on our maintenance programs and so when I first came to county engineering, maintenance was, hey, grind the top two inches off, lay two more inches on top or three. Uh, the reality is, is we know that is not the most cost effective way to maintain uh, asphalt roads. And so what we do is uh, we do overlay, but we also do chip seal, which is much more, uh, it's much more, it's very economical and fog seal. And you might be like, hey, engineer Dingman, what kind of shizzle are you talking about? So a fog seal is it's kind of like we're putting lotion on the surface of that asphalt because it dries out after a few years. Okay. And what we want to do is you'll you'll hear other elected officials, you won't hear the county engineer say this, we'll keep a pothole count. And they'll be like, hey, we filled 2,000 potholes today. And as an engineer, I'd be like, that's wrong because- <laughs> There's 10,000 more. So. There's 10,000 more. Uh, a pothole patch we know is temporary fix. The potholes do not last. They open back up. You have to do them again. What you want to do is aggressively maintain the surface of your asphalt so you don't have potholes. Because if you let it go to the point that you already have potholes, you have failed. Now, I'm not going to stand Moral of the story is maintain your asphalt. Maintain your asphalt. So I'm not going to say we don't have potholes. We have two crews of people who uh, are out on Lancaster County roads every day uh, with a uh, trailer that is heated. They, they pick up a load of asphalt, and that trailer keeps that asphalt hot all day long so that we can hot patch everything, which gives us a greater chance of success and longevity with that patch. Um, but yeah, the reality is implementing a really aggressive asphalt maintenance program. We call it bituminous surfacing, by the way, because we're nerds. Uh, has really? meant that, this yeah, is my shock. Face. I know. I know you're shocked. I'm a nerd. Uh, has meant, but, but why is it exciting to you as a taxpayer? I mean, you're like, what? And it's exciting because- I can go hey, faster on county roads? Well, yes, but please do the speed limit. Please be safe. If if uh, traffic conditions warrant if, the speed limit. If traffic conditions warrant the speed limit, yes, we want to use our judgment. But the reality is, is when I first started county engineering, we were spending like eight million dollars a year, five to eight million dollars a year on uh, on the maintenance of our program, and we had about sixty percent of our asphalt that was in need of maintenance. Right now, we're down to ten to twenty percent of our asphalt that's in need of maintenance. And the cost of that maintenance program is is more like two and a half, three million dollars a year. So that's significant savings. So I can put that money in new roads and bridges. Awesome. So, so this is a really a situation where you fix it right the first time, and you don't have to go back and repair it. Is that a fair? I mean, you're, there's always going to be repairs, but you're, you're going to fix a little deeper once and not have the. Yeah, maybe it's like. Um, 
compared to, hey, you paint your house and you know you're going to have to paint your house every five years. So you don't wait 10 years to paint your house so that you're replacing wood and windows and other things. It's just continually maintaining what you have and being a good steward of what that you have. That makes more sense. Thank you. Does that help? Yes, it yep. does. Very good. See, we got we got to get the translations here for Mark and I. Uh, <laughs> so you talked about you know, why we should care about this as a taxpayer. And obviously we talk a lot about taxes and budgets. I got to make Mark a big smile when I say budgets here on Lincoln Business Beat. But you've done some innovative things from a funding perspective to help be able to expand your bridge program and do more like with your tub girders. Those tub girders are awesome. So talk a little bit about some of the things you've been able to do as county engineer from a grant standpoint mm-hmm. and ways to uh, innovate with funding, I'll call it, to be able to meet the needs of the people and the citizens of Lancaster County. So when I started as Lancaster County engineer 10 years ago, and you would look at the uh, the TIP, the Transportation Improvement Plan, I know, nerd language, tip. the TIP, right? And the TIP says is a forecast of what federal money we have um, through the uh, Lincoln MPO. And you would see that the Lancaster County list of projects was really short, like there weren't any. And the reality is, is planning for these projects takes a number of years. Some of them seem like they shouldn't be that hard to figure out, i.e. Saltillo. So we've been working on Saltillo as a safety project, um, and and that's called a Highway Safety Improvement Program, right? We've got to have our acronyms. A HISP. Um, don't, Don't say HISP again, but I'll be sad. Anyway. We've been working on Saltillo for like seven years. It took more than three years to get all the traffic studies and everything done. And the interesting thing is, at that time, we had estimated Saltillo at being an $8.7 million project. Um, uh, 90% uh, federal funds and 10% local taxpayer dollars. So, hey, I'm going to slide a dime across the table and... uh, and the the feds. Mark's gonna give you ninety cents. Mark's gonna give me a dollar. Oh, there a full you Full dollar. Mark's a and generous so, guy. He's great. He's great that way. So Saltillo, what does Saltillo look like now? As we're in the process, and uh, we're hoping that we can start buying right away for Saltillo sometime next year, early next year. Well, right now Saltillo is an over thirteen million dollar project with construction inflation. Wow. So. Federal grants. Talk about you have done a great job. How much have you secured in federal grants to help with county engineering, roads and bridges and tub girders? So I just want to county engineering is a big team. So I don't want to say just me. Well, I want to say department. Yes. I want to say the team because uh, they're really dedicated to this. Uh, we have an engineer who thinks who always says, can I renegotiate my pay so I get a bonus of whatever grants I bring in? Um, the answer is no. Uh, but, I mean, I, I got to appreciate the ask, right? So uh, we're at about $80 million. We're at about $80 million. Wow, that's a ton of – and that's money that doesn't cost – it's coming from the federal government. So I guess in a way we the taxpayers did help The, the taxpayers that, but, paid it. it the money but, was going to go somewhere. But it's money, money coming back into our community, which is good. So what does that look like for Lancaster County? Because you might be like, hey, Damon, you say $80 million, but what does that mean to me? Um, well, over the next five or six years, what does that mean to you? That means paving um, 98th Street from Old Cheney all the way up to O and getting that section of road open. That's huge, um, not just for Lancaster County, but also for Lincoln. 
That means paving Fletcher Avenue from 84th Street to 148th Street, which gives the city of Waverly a truck bypass route. Because right now, their truck bypass route goes by an elementary school, a junior high, and a high school. It's a very dangerous situation. What else does that mean? That means paving South 68th Street from Hickman to Firth. That's another 12 or $13 million project. And then we went back in and we got the mile and a half north of Firth to the end, end of the modern section. But we were also able to go in and get North 14th Street so that we could put shoulders and intersection improvements on that. It's very nice. I drove on that recently. Well done. Thanks. Uh, we've done a lot of improvements in North 14th Street, and I know that you drive on that a lot, so you've given me a lot of grief over the years, um, as well as uh, James Arthur Vineyard has poked me a few times with, like, what are you doing to us? We've replaced uh, four bridges on that section of road in the last five years. We really had to focus on it, um, we, which is what I think we should do. Hey, if we can come in and get all the, you know, get several bridges that are close together on the same contract and inconvenience people one time or for maybe two years, that's what we should do. Another fun fact about North 14th Street is once I thought I got all the structures fixed, I found about, I don't know, four or five more. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am going to be just grounded with everyone if I cut that road open again. And we were able to use a technology we hadn't used before, which uh, is a fiberglass project product that they pull through a pipe in a pipeliner. They inject it with the fiberglass and they run a light through, kind of like when the dentist is baking a filling on your tooth. I was going to say, is that like when I inject my turkey before I put it in the smoker? It's not like that at oh, all. Okay. Um, it's not like that at all. But, uh, I mean, super high-tech. We, we line the pipe. Uh, the road doesn't need to be closed or opened up. And then, of course, they know that the fiberglass is baked enough. They hit it with a hammer, which, I mean, I, you know, as an engineer, like more technical solutions. Um, but nevertheless, we were able to get in there and fix the rest of those pipes. So what does that mean now? So when we come for through with this federal aid project, uh, we can add shoulders and make that road a 28-foot top which would be significant because it's only an 11-foot drive lane right now. And what Ooh. that means is if you have an 11-foot lane to drive on, and I have a few uh, constituents. Somebody always calls me whenever I say our lanes need to be wider than 11 feet and say, well, if people will just get off their cell phones, okay, well, maybe. But, like, what if you, I mean, really, you could sneeze and go off the edge of the road. Or what if you had a child you were dealing with in the car? What if you just had an error in judgment? It doesn't mean that you deserve to have uh, a a fatal crash happen to you or a crash that injures you. So um, awesome. The goal is that when you drive that section of road, you're safe. So lots of great information from engineer Dingman today. I, I, I just a little bit speechless. There's a lot to digest here. Well, I'm not speechless. I've got a couple more questions. This is my shocked face. Oh, yeah. I showed it to Pam earlier. I'll show it to you now. <laughs> uh, while we're sitting here at springtime, uh, I would imagine you're already gearing up and planning for and making um, situations, ordering materials for the upcoming winter season. Uh, what's that process like? Uh, you know, we've made a lot of changes to our overall winter operations uh, the la since 2019. So in 2019, with the bomb cyclone, we actually reached a critical point where during that storm event, we only had five trucks countywide. So 1,400 miles in five trucks. And I had a constituent call me, and she said, God bless her, uh, I just want to know what your plan is. 
And I said, ma'am, I'm going to humbly tell you I don't have a plan right now because there's no solution when you're down that far. So we have been working on uh, obtaining a modern truck fleet uh, incrementally over time because we can't afford to buy 23 uh, large snow plows at the same time. And we have started using brine. What we have determined with brine is, is that that means the rock salt uh, that we need to purchase is probably 15 to 20 percent of what we purchased before brine. Um, is it eliminated? No, because brine is a tool like many other things in your toolbox. It's a tool we didn't have before. So uh, we do buy our salt and rock salt and our materials in the summer uh, so that they're all stocked. They're cheaper in the summer. They're a little more readily available in the summer. If we get really slammed in a winter and we run out of rock salt, we do buy it in the winter so that we can continue to maintain the roads. Uh, but those are the type of things that we're looking at right now. There continues to be a gravel and rock shortage um, regionally in the area. I continue to hear about it. Uh, we continue to try to buy gravel and rock. We buy it twice a year and we have it trucked in so that we can get the most efficient and effective prices. So you're uh, you're actively planning ahead on, on all of these things. One other question that I have, and I have no idea whether this uh, comes into your particular area, but I would imagine that, that some of your crew members, uh, we're hearing a lot about broadband access across the county. Uh, that's part of an infrastructure plan that I would assume the county engineer would be at least aware of, if not actively involved in. Can you give us a... 30,000-foot view of what's happening there. So if you live in the city of Lincoln, you you might be like, hey, what's up with this broadband thing? Um, and what is super interesting is my Lincoln office uh, has has Internet and Internet services. Uh, wait, my Waverly office has Internet services. Sometimes they're not awesome. All the other buildings ha have no Internet. So in 2023, in our Panama building, uh, we, don't have, we don't have Internet. And we're running... Uh, people's uh, employee email and their timesheets off of a wireless hotspot. So as I talk about modernization and being efficient, that's not very modern or efficient. One of the things that we've incorporated into that broadband project uh, is getting service to all the county shops so that we can have a resilient uh, communication system. So uh, we are working on that. Uh, JEO has been the contractor, and we've been coordinating with um, – City County IS, uh, it is it is a big project, and so we're trying to make sure, of course, that we get that uh, that conduit in in the right places, so that we can minimize relocation of that in the future. I would be sad if I had to come back here and say, oh well, we didn't anticipate that project, so now we need to relocate this conduit. And the planning um, and strategy that goes into that has been has been rather intense, as you can imagine. Okay. Wow. Lots of things going on in county engineering, and I really appreciate you coming in, Pam, and talking about what what the county engineer does, the projects you're working on, and all those kind of things. I hope people will find this as a good way to understand more about county engineering, and I will also give you uh, a huge shout-out because I love that you're promoting for people to come out and check things out so they can see what's happening um, I know you're very involved with kids and getting young kids out there so they can see what's going on um, really in that STEM arena to get them encouraged to go into STEM projects and, and those kind of 
careers and to see that and, and encouraging young ladies to get into engineering. Uh, I, I always tip my hat to you for that because you are a huge advocate, not just for the county engineering and those projects, but for the profession and for the future. And, and I do appreciate that. And I also appreciate what you do for the LIBA auction um, and your tour that you contributed because it's good for people to see that. And, you know, we have so many elected officials that are so generous with their time to, sh- to kind of open up the doors of government. So it's not just the crap that we see on the legislature where they're throwing bombs at each other, but it's actually where people are actually sitting down and they're able to see what happens. And I've been on the tour, uh, the bridges of Lancaster County, and it's, it's, it's very informative and it's very good. So kudos to you for being an advocate for people to understand and being open with what's happening in your department. Thank you very much. Thank you, bud. And I want to, uh, from my side of, of the news gathering business, how, uh, how nice it is to have a working relationship with you, other people in your department, when we've got, when we're looking for a news story or something like that, you're always willing to respond and very quickly which is something that not a lot of elected officials are are want to do at at that level. So from a news perspective, I really appreciate that as well. Thanks, Mark. That's our deep dive, and that's this edition of the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with Lancaster County Engineer Pam Dingman, our guest today, Lebo President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.